she fucking with us or did she cut? She's fucking with oh, us. I couldn't hold it any longer. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to this month's episode of the Fantasy Book of the Month podcast. My name is not Nick. I'm Katie. Uh, joined with me today is the real Nick. Hi. Dan Evanson. Hello. And Rachel, but actually Carter. Hi. <laughs> It seems really weird to introduce yourself as who you're not before who you are. I'm just clarifying that I'm not Nick. <laughs> was anyone confused? I know people mix up Dan, Dan and Peter. That's true. Yes, we're definitely different people. Maybe Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why are you so suspicious, Dan? Also, Peter's Certainly slash Peter. I have not subsumed his personality. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. You have generic old man voice. Oh. oh man, called out. Yeah, I'm basic. What can I say? <laughs> Do you like pumpkin spice lattes? Hashtag PSL. No, I don't. I don't like pumpkin. I don't like that there's an acronym for a type of coffee. <laughs> also, cinnamon does not belong in drinks. Just throwing yeah. that out there. Technically, it's also, an initialism because it doesn't make a word, so it's yeah. not an acronym. But I also I don't like that we cultures like to attack uh, things that young girls like. You mean like Ugg boots? Yeah, Katie. Stop attacking what young girls like. <laughs> if you notice, like all these trends or this, like all the cringy stuff is for like what young girls tend to like. Do you guys remember the Han Solo fad? No. When girls would wear like leggings, boots, and then a vest, and it, oh yes, and everyone looked <laughs> like Han Solo. <laughs> it was super weird. I don't uh, know. I I wear a t-shirt and jeans and sneakers. You're real greaser, I wear what Rachel. I have to. I respect that. <laughs> just just like six wear- layers of underwear. It's like two degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm wearing. Well, hey. I have no oh, no. <laughs> On the plus side, uh this coming week at the time of recording, it's going to be above freezing. The temperature. I'm super excited. Nice. It's yeah, supposed it's to be been 60 below where I zero. Live. You know what, Rachel? You can just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to I wanna say at, at the time of recording this, uh, about sixty percent of the U.S. is like frozen over, it, or it certainly feels that way. <laughs> and yeah, I and I sixty degrees. <laughs> I've remembered that the phrase "too cold to snow" is a thing, <laughs> and that's what's happened here. Yeah. Oh yeah, that Katie, that picture I sent you of me in the snow is now my. Hinge, a dating website photo. Ooh. I'm so, gonna hey, find some Boy there. Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I really, I really, really hope that Rachel ends up with a Boy Scout. I do too. <laughs> like, <laughs> just for the sake of this joke, like. It's <laughs> not even this podcast meta joke. It's the other podcast meta joke. <laughs> Listen, I want I want you to, I want to be very clear about something. All of the podcasts are all of the podcasts. <laughs> but with we, have long, 
we, we had Rob from Two Cents on Why Is This a Thing this week, and it was just another episode of Two Cents Radio. <laughs> it's, it's all arbitrary. Because that's what the world needed. <laughs> right, that's, that's what we needed. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, so so what, what are we doing today, guys? What are we chatting? I don't chat- know. <laughs> We're recording a podcast, Nick. Where have you been? I'm getting out of my depression from yesterday. Oh, no. Oh. I mean, you know, it, I'm, that was just being a cringy joke. Because you know what yesterday was. The listeners Valentine's know. Day. Um, oh, yesterday right. was yeah. Valentine's Day. But today is April Fool's, so we got you. <laughs> it's not actually snowing out. It's sunny <laughs> and 53 degrees. That was the highest yeah. number for temperature so I maybe- can think of. <laughs> April still could be cold in Massachusetts. It, it, you still had snow in April. I love the idea that 53 is the warmest Minnesota gets. <laughs> I, I like that concept. No, like 130 is the warmest Minnesota gets. That's the worst part about the Midwest is you get the, you get yeah, we the have worst the of most everything. Diverse range. I think like our average temperatures yeah. of like the lowest low and the highest high is like 180 degrees. It's fucking ridiculous. Also, I was born at the end of April in the middle of a snow snowstorm, so it happens for real. Yeah, it's dangerous. Well, South Carolina is like Florida, but we have seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Florida with seasons. Yeah, and also the amount of crazies too. It's only warm there because of how close to hell you are. Yeah, <laughs> Florida. Florida is that hell. <laughs> It's also in the South. The South is hell in general. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, what are we here to do other than insult a good portion of the country? (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) Hey, I live here. I can insult my state. (laughs) Um, We're talking about books, I assume. Yes. Katie, you seem like you're in charge. What kind of books are we talking about today? Oh, you should never put me in charge. Um, So our theme this month is POV of a non-human character. I found it really hard to pick something for this this subject. Did you really? I I guess my definition of non-human might be conservative. I don't know. Well, what's your so, definition? So I took werewolves and vampires off the possibilities because I felt like they were They're transformed humans were not non-humans. They're human adjacent. Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Although the book I did pick is essentially transformed humans, but hmm. <laughs> All right, yeah, I think I, I think that's a fair I think that's a fair argument. I, I was looking for a book where it was uh, very weird and like you didn't understand. When they're first introduced, you don't understand what they're saying, but as you get information, you kind of understand because they have a different perspective of the world that we live in. Hmm. Yeah, I think Rachel was like looking for mind fuckery. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of where I ended up too. Yeah. Which uh, I, I think that was like the goal, but I don't think I quite reached it. But did like, anybody do like I don't know? I feel like the. The easy course was talking animals. Did anybody do talking animals? Oh, yes, we did. Meaning, <laughs> yep. meaning not me, because I'm not oh. Nick. Technically, mine is an animal, but it also can talk, but also... Mine's a sea serpent. 
Okay. That sounds yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the first thing that occurred to me and ultimately I decided not to read it was The Secret of Nim, because it's all rats. Anthropomorphic oh. rats. Yeah, you could have done Redwall. I guess birds are in there too. You could have done Redwall. <laughs> That's uh, also rats. I don't know what that is. Redwall. It's Red the one that describes food. Yeah, it describes food. By Brian food. Jacques. Jacques. Yeah. I don't know how to. Pr- I don't French. <laughs> French dude. <laughs> it's probably just Jacques. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! I think how many Rachel, how many languages are you guys gonna start busting out on these shows? I only know one. Kind of. Uh, is deine Tee. I I don't know how to respond to you. We don't have Peter here, so no one can talk. I asked where your tea was. <laughs> I haven't made it because tea has a lot of sugar in it. Because I put sugar in my tea. Well, as you should. Uh, yeah, so, so Nick, I, what kind of cocktail you got today? <laughs> you know, a few weeks, you a few weeks back, I asked people. You? No, I don't. I asked people that <sighs> asked me what kind of cocktail I had, and nobody did. And then now that I stopped having cocktails, everybody's asking. Come on, guys. It's very embarrassing for you, Nick. It is. It is. It's a me problem. <laughs> so, so Dan, what did you end up falling on then, if not animals? Uh, oh boy, mine is weird. I, I I just went with the weirdest book I've read in like the last year. Uh, you know, another one I think I probably could have picked is like something from China Mieville, like uh, Perdido Street Station. Have you guys ever read that? No, no, but you have Th- talked about it before. That is maybe the weirdest book I've ever read, which is saying something because I do enjoy a good weird weirdo book. But that one has. I think there are humans in it, but the majority of the cast, I think, are like humanoid, but weird in some way. And the obviously the weirdest one is that there's a uh, there's a lady whose head is a bug like her species. All the females in her species are humanoid, but with bugs for heads. But the males are all just the bug head part with no human attributes at all. I don't think they're sentient either. Like only the females are sentient. It's a very disturbing book. Wait, how is that different than real life? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could have done the Mother of Learning, which is like a web serial where there's spiders. There's telepathic giant spiders. That sounds sure. terrifying. It's a great episode of Rick and Morty. It, it's a progression fantasy, so it's fun. Are the <laughs> spiders the ones that are progressing? No, it's the main character. It's one of my favorite time loop fantasies where it's a very clean time loop that you can understand it well. Like live, die, repeat kind of? Um, you have... It, you, if Basically, if the progenitor of a loop dies, the loop starts again. Or if the time... If the one month time stops, it, it starts again. So... The main character, he's not actually the progenitor. He was just kind of this, like stuck into the time loop. And he uh, just continues learning because he keeps his magic because it's his soul that's going back. So his mana and stuff like that comes back. Huh. So that's like a whole there's like a whole genre of time loop. 
fantasy that I'm not aware of? It's not uh, progression fantasy is not really uh, time loop. It's more like video game progression as you it's basically characters leveling up as in like uh, technically Stormlight Archives is progression fantasy, but a mainstream version. Oh, because of the four, the four the levels. Yeah, because they're physically getting more powers. At, they're basically level. They are leveling up as they swear O's. Weird. Yeah. Um, some famous I never ones. Never thought of it that way. <laughs> some famous progression ones are Cradle and uh, Arcane Ascension. Hmm. It's, we'll have to add it to the genre list. No, no, no. So we can no, force everyone no. to read it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a new genre. So, so you it's mostly so- filled with terrible books. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of power fantasy. Mm, okay. Yeah. God forbid someone in genre write about power fantasy. Yeah, it's bad power fantasy though. I love it, but it's not for everyone, and you got to sort through a lot of bad writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did Cradle on this year, oh, and Nick did Arcane Ascension. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so non-human point of view. I don't know why. why I, I think like I found this difficult for for a long while. I was gonna do sci-fi because there's a lot of robot-centered mechanics. And actually, the book I read last month was a, ro- a fantasy robot POV. So. I should have just done the second part of that trilogy. I don't yeah. know, but I feel like like murder the murder bot diaries would fit into this well, even though I haven't read them. Yeah, I, that's that's the one I consider doing because they're really good. I think I've read the first two of the four that are available, but uh, ultimately I decided not to because we, as a group, I know Peter who's not here uh, is somewhat vehemently against expanding our definition of fantasy beyond. Uh, swords and sorcery, I guess. I don't know. I, well, I mean, more than that. I mean, we do urban and stuff like that pretty easily. I, I don't know. Uh, we, we don't expand beyond science fantasy. Right. There's got to be a wizard of some kind in it. You got to have it start. You don't go beyond Star Wars. That's the level we're at. Space wizards are okay, but just robots. You could, If you have robots, you have to have a space wizard. Yeah, I think that it's I think that's robots, pretty much. So that's not fancy. Maybe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or at least like, how we're defining it. I would say like Star Wars and Dune, but then like if you get into Star Trek, it's starting to push it. Yeah, like uh, all of, all of Mark Lawrence's series is very science fantasy. Right. Yeah. Because technically they are in the real world. All maybe all of them are. One's definitely on a different planet. The right, book of the like ancestors in the future of like our future, you know. Yeah, that's that's the his Broken Empire series and the Red Queen's World are definitely placed place in the future of our world. That's like explicitly told you to do. Yeah, it's okay. interesting because like his his stuff could conceivably even the stuff that's in other planets could conceivably still be in the same universe, so to speak. Well, he he also has the reoccurring character of Taproot. Oh, right, 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 right. So yeah, I don't know. I, to like other yeah. expanded universe authors, uh, whatever that means. I don't know if the, no, I, I don't want to read the D&D one. It's just not my style, I don't think. So I don't know if he has taproot in that one. 
Mm, I read the first one of those. It was, actually, I reviewed it in like our second episode or something like that. And it was the RPG one. Uh, yeah, it wasn't very good because time travel <laughs> was bad. It was bad time travel. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be a me book, so I decided not to read it. <laughs> I love his other series, but that, not that one. Um, anyways, but yeah, that's our like. That's where I'm like. That's science fantasy. It's like it does like quantum physics because he has a degree. He has a PhD in mathematics, which I found weird. Yeah, that's like not what you typically expect out of your your fantasy writers, I suppose. Yeah. Um, um, so well, he has like a, a an interesting backstory, I guess, on how he got into writing and how writing like kind of became his new career because his other career kind of ended all of a sudden because he lost his job and then all of a sudden he got like a $200,000 deal for like a three book deal out of uh, like in like all in the same week or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you go on book depository, his author name is Dr. Mark Lawrence. Hmm. So for non-human POV, I don't know. How did you guys define it did anyone set limits for themselves or anything or, or did you guys feel like you picked your book out real easy i mean i, I was I go ahead i i was going to originally read the silmarillion because it's got elf characters elf characters but then Elden? someone not naming names here was all like, me? nah, man. It was Rachel, yeah. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> and then I just picked something else that was on my shelf that was very obviously non-human. Yeah, I was mean like that. I blame Peter. You know, honestly, though, <laughs> I, I, I kind of think that was the right choice here because, I mean, one thing I always try to think about with these themes as we pick them is, like, what is the purpose of having this discussion or discussing this topic within like fantasy, right? And so like, what, what is the purpose between, uh, or uh, sorry, what is the purpose of reviewing books that have a non-human perspective? Like, what are we hoping to gain? Well, it gives you a different perspective. It's just right. like reading, reading something that's like a person who has different religion than you. It gives you a different aspect of perspective of life. Right, exactly. So, and I think the thing with like, you know, especially with this topic, it's not just like trying to get a different perspective. It's trying to get like a a, a, a very foreign perspective, like not just foreign culturally, but like physiologically, biologically, right? And yeah. I, I just feel like elves are uh, kind of just like really close to humanoids, basically, in in a lot of ways. And it, and it's something that I think that the general culture is pretty familiar with at this point El, uh, humans are just discount elves yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean like now if you did find a book about elves that really focused on like how having a longer lifespan would like drastically alter the way you view the world and like that was the primary focus of the book i would say that could probably work or the norse elves the norse elves are like basically bugs <laughs> what oh yeah right 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 they look crazy, right? Yeah. But at least that's my experience with God of War. There's like these flying blood creatures. <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like, and there, there are a few ways you could have gone with this. I, I did briefly consider, like, looking at um, the, the Metamorphosis, which is the book about the guy who turns into a cockroach. Never, I've never read that. I didn't, I never wanted to read that. I've read it before, and it's, um, I mean, it's not really explicitly, like, fantasy. I wouldn't even, I don't even think it really technically falls under fantasy, but. I think but, it's magical realism. Yeah, it's more, it's more like a art i think than like a typical i don't know how to seems more artsy fartsy than typical fantasy it's literary literary fiction yeah (laughs) yeah i mean in that book like there's an intention of why the character is a cockroach right like that is the message of the book right is that he is something considered something other than human perhaps even by himself even though he interacts with the world the way a human does. Nobody sees him like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean I apparently, know. like, a non-human POV is actually, I feel like, impossible, right? Even though, like, Secret of Nim is all rats, they're all essentially human, right? That's the point of Secret of Nim is that, like, the rats have become human-like through experimentation, like... It's not that you learn something about how a rat thinks by reading Seeker of Nim. You learn about human or rats that have learned how to think like humans. I would argue mine is closer just because it's literally the first chapter and you're so confused by it. It's very <laughs> like, what? What the hell is this? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to find some some creature that is non-human that isn't personified to some degree. I mean, it's, we have to I be mean, able to read it. How would you write it. about it? Right. If it was. <laughs> it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because, like, a non-human character. If the book was solely about a non-human character, it probably wouldn't be that good of a book because no one would identify with it. It'd be impossible to read. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to read a, a book about wolves where all of the text is just barking in various <laughs> ways. <laughs> but, like, I would have no clue what's happening. Yeah, but, um, yeah so... I don't know. Uh, I mean, does somebody want to want to dive in first with what they sort of experienced reading their book? I shall. So I read uh, The Ship of Magic, where I really read the entire Life Ship Trader trilogy by Robin Hobb, which is the second trilogy in her five book, uh, five series, series, The Realm of the Elder Rings. So this takes place after the Far series trilogy. So... And this is this trilogy. Uh, each of the series in the five, um, the Realm of the Elder Rings is a discrete series. So, yeah. Uh, this story, the story takes place. It follows different characters in the uh, the, the town of Big Town, and you can follow like Alfia Vestrit uh, and other and others like her. Basically, it follows the live ship traders, where they uh, the live ships are. When the three generations of a family die on a ship, the ship becomes al- uh, becomes alive. Is that is that a sentence? Becomes alive. <laughs> Com- comes I don't think to life. It comes to life. Thank you. <laughs> it comes to life and it gives you all these adaptations. Like it can basically sell sell itself. Uh, it can tell um, the sailors when it's leaking or if it's the, the different currents and things like that. It's one of the fastest ships in the world. And uh, it's particularly adaptations. It can go up the Rain Wilds River where the acid of the river would basically eat through any other boat. <laughs> it's not that pleasant to take a dip in. 
And this book, and you follow these characters through politics and both small town politics and politics and large and like uh, continent wide politics throughout the series. And it's very character study, slow, um, uh, methodical. It's very sad. I broke down in tears while uh, reading it when there was a scene of. It was like a yeah. It was such like a well done position. of gaslighting and abuse, it was very heart wrenching, at least for that scene. And it was, uh, I broke down too. So I was like, just leave, leave the situation, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I really enjoy this trilogy. Uh, I will suggest to read the first, the Farcilla trilogy before this because it gives some background in the world and things like that. But uh, so the non-human point of views are. The sea serpents, and they're, they introduce you to the book, and you have no idea what's going on. They talk about like the plenty, and and as you slowly learn, you slowly learn their, their story throughout the trilogy, and it gives this great sense of world building. But their point of view is so alien that I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but I'm just gonna roll with it. <laughs> But as you learn, it's like, oh, they're talking about the plenty of the sea because there's food there. So that's why it's called oh. the plenty. <laughs> and the air, uh, the air is called the something. I forgot what it is because there's no food, food there. there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why. It's that. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so I love this series. It's really great. Uh, but the problem is, it's Robin Hobbs show uh, series, so it's going to be really, really sad. It's also going to be a character novel. So if you don't like slow methodical character studies, not probably not the best. And um, yeah, I will say Robin Hobbs is probably the best author I've ever read. That does characters? I can read her character doing nothing for days on end and still love the book. So the plot, so like, I guess, is the plot still engaging with you, or like you just don't care about it, or? I for, sometimes I forgot that there there was a plot. Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. What about like uh, its place in the overall series? Is you, is this? It's my favorite. You, like, it's my favorite. Can you of just the two... pick up the this this series and start it without? reading the first one you can but uh it gives context of what's going on and why uh bingtown is such a there's political context because there's ramifications that happen in the first trilogy that affect bingtown uh i would say read it because it also gives a better sense of the magic systems mm-hmm. there's also a reoccurring so character. like this series like kind of leans on that one to introduce you to certain things and uh, kind of, kind of jumps in. Yeah, it's so the Rebel Eldrings has three series that follow Fitz and the Fool, and that's their story throughout three trilogies. And there's two series in between that follow different characters and the wild, wider world. You have the Rebel Eldrings and the Raid Wild Chronicles, which are the two series that take place with, uh, without Fitz as being the main character. Yikes, that's a lot of books. Yeah, it's. It's been really good. Uh, I'm curious, Rachel. Like when you read a really long series like that, do you do you just burn through them like all at once, or do you just get to them as you get to them? I get to them as I get through the series 
because each one they're discrete series as themselves so i just read the series in order and then i go take a break and then move on mm. um i so so you get because there's five series uh four trilogies and one quartet <laughs> yeah but it's less words than will of time oh my god i am i'm getting like I'm getting a headache just thinking about how many books there are. <laughs> I love it. But I also, I could never. I mean, they're discrete series of trilogies, so it's pretty easy to follow. So there are living ships in this one, but the but the ships don't get a POV? The ships get a POV, but they're just not the non-human ones because they kind of have... It, it's, it's alluded that the souls of the people affect the a personality of the ships as they die on them. So it's kind of a human perspective on the ship. Even though it's a ship, it's got a human perspective. Yeah, I can't go into more detail because it's more nuanced than that. But yeah. Okay. Uh, I will say the series also has a gender queer character and it was written in 1995 as a main character. Probably not school like that. Yeah. All right. What was uh, the name of that one again? Uh, Ship of Magic uh, by Robin Hobb. And the first book in the Farseer trilogy is called Assassin's Apprentice. Sweet. Who's next? I mean, I, I'll go. Nick, I nominate you. Yes, you've nominated me. I've been nominated. <laughs> um, so in, in finding a book this month, I actually I asked uh, my fiance Michaela, um, and she, she brought up this book called The Sight. Um, let me pull up the author because I read it on David Clement Davies. Thank you, David Clement Davies. Um, I read it on audiobook here, and um, it is uh, following a from the point of view of wolves. Um, really, a, a sm- it kind of jumps around point of views here, but it's really just one family of wolves, and um, they have this power called the sight, or a couple of a couple of them do. The youngest ones do. Um, where they can basically um, see through the eyes of birds. And um, the sight is sort of... It's sort of a power that... They don't even really fully get into all of the things you can do with it, but it seems like you can see through birds and have a connection with the birds. And um, if you look into bodies of water, you can sometimes see the past, present, or future. And then, But it's sort of treated as this mythic power within this universe that um there are rumors that it can do more but you know you never really know if they're quite rumors or actually real um this is a series so i've only i'm only on the first one here so i'm sure there is more later um it kind of also gave me some lion king vibes at times it's not really the same exact story but you follow two cubs and then they get older um, they're pretty quickly. There is kind of like a pretty significant time jump where they get older and um, they're trying to stop their evil aunt who is um, trying to use the site to um, bring back a, a, an evil, essentially like a devil-like character called Wolfbane. Um, so I don't so wanna, they're all wolves yep. and yet one of the wolves is like... Here's something called Wolfbane, and I love it. It feels like warriors. Yeah, so what happened with, with the aunt Morgra is um, years ago, 
she um it is she she accidentally killed a pup and was kind of uh ostracized yes yes she was kind of um labeled a uh, a cub killer and there were like rumors of the that cub she killed got it right but they well but they were kind of like um implying that she was like killing them and eating them and stuff which is like not the case but she ended up being ostracized and um sent away from the pack to live on her own and she grew bitter and uh it, it sort of stems from all that minor spoiler i guess but not that big a deal i don't think i kind of can see the the lion king vibe you're getting with mm-hmm. the the nefarious Evil. parents sibling yeah, there, there's a hint of that. And then there's also there, the two cubs are um, Fel and Larka. And um, one of them is a, a white wolf and the other one's a black wolf, like pretty much, even though both neither of their parents really look exactly like that. They're both just normal looking wolves. But for some reason, these two were born like that. And there is sort of a, a dichotomy like one is considered like um, like good and pure and one is like more fierce and uh violent and so that's and i think there's more in the sequel books that i haven't i I read i read a little bit of uh what the sequel books do and it's pretty interesting but it's neither here nor there what i really thought was cool about this series was um the way everything was from the point of view of the wolves and like you know they never the wolves did never talk they always growled or snarled or you know barked or whatever that kind of thing howled um i mean it's like it seems pretty obvious but i I just thought that it seemed like the author never slipped never let up like if there was an opportunity to like frame an action or a word or something from that point of view they did it and so there's uh, no dialogue there is, no, there is, but instead of saying like this person said, it would be they growled or they like that oh, would okay. be the, the verb they would use would be. So they are talking to each other. It's just the yeah, the sort of thematic like characterization is always reminding you that they're wolves and not that they're people, even though they're right. talking in English. Right. And it's also it's you know this is always an interesting thing when when you have a a point of view of like a creature like this, the only animals that talk in this are wolves and birds. But humans do exist in this world, and other animals do exist in this world, but they don't talk. And like the birds can talk to the wolves, and vice versa. And I've always found I always found that very weird. Like, that's never really quite explained. I mean, obviously, like, if you have um, the sight, you can obviously communicate with the birds, but I'm pretty sure it happens elsewise as well. I could be wrong about that, but it just it seemed a little weird. Um, Is the sight, like, limited to wolves? Yeah. Uh, yes. <clears throat> I think, as far as I know. Okay, so I actually there's believe actually... there's another series, too. Right. It's not really a series. There's um, the Lightbringer, which is the first book, and it's about a deer who has yeah. like the ability to talk to all of the animals. Okay, so. yeah. So I did know that there was this other book with a deer, but I hadn't read anything about it. So they, I think, a- if I recall correctly, I did read this in like I don't know, not long after it came out. Um, there is like a slight 
allusion to Rannock, the the deer who can talk to everybody. Yeah, actually, I think there is. I think it's in. So another thing that the wolves do a lot is they they talk about how stories are very important in their culture, and they're always telling stories about um, past wolves and the wolf gods and things like that. Um, and it, it was also kind of cool to see like these foundational stories for a culture that is non-human and how they would perceive the world and where the world began and stuff. And at the end of the day, it is still like human personification onto a, a wolf, I guess, human-like personification of a wolf. But um, the, the, just the, su- the subtle differences, I think, were were the part I enjoyed the most. If that makes I'm sense. Then you should have yeah, eaten I mean, supper. I've always wondered, like, with okay, non-human societies like that, where, I mean, like, a wolf society could never build a building or, like, infrastructure, right? I mean, they don't have thumbs. <laughs> right. So, like, <laughs> they physically it, could not. Right. I mean, it's, it's just, like, one of those things where, like, so much of our society is built around the things we have made and invented or whatever and just, like what would a society be like where like that's just impossible but they are still intelligent and sentient and sapient and i mean if you think about it like there are creatures on the earth like uh like even like dolphins or elephants are considered very very intelligent creatures and they have or whales whales have been known to communicate like across the entire ocean with each other yeah and most likely they are sentient like they have a sense of themselves as individuals Uh, which we've seen a little bit of, but like, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where how do you communicate with a creature that there's just like no point of reference, right? It's right. Like, you're a fish. You live in the sea all day. You, have, you you can't sit down and read a book. You can't even make a book. You can't, you'll never be able to, language is not a thing. Like written language will never be a thing because they'll never have paper and pencils and things <laughs> because they live in the water. <laughs> Um, in the far series trilogy kind of goes into that a bit because there is two powers basically in this world you have like um, I forget what the first one is called but you also have the wit which allows humans to bond with animals and have like a telepathic connection with them and uh, like you can I think it's the thing where you can do what is the thing they can do in Game of Thrones it's basically that but better a warging yeah but better and the animal has more like control over. <laughs> but it doesn't the suck. Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen Game of Thrones, but you're not Bran Stark, and you're a drag on the books for four books. <laughs> <laughs> like the main character Fitz has the ability to he like bonds with a wolf, and there's a point where he just becomes non-human because he lost himself into the wolf's like brain. That sounds like a good time. No, no. Considering how he got there, no, it wasn't a good time. There's that in the Wheel of Time too, with like Wolf Brothers, where one of the main POV characters has a telepathic relationship with wolves. Oh, he yeah. goes forever denying it, though. Yeah, yeah. It's not really until the end that he's like essentially a werewolf at that point, jumping into <laughs> people's dreams and turning into wolves and stuff. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't like the Game of Thrones magic system that much. I get confused. 
Yeah, it's not. It's 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 fine. <laughs> it's soft. I don't know magic. if you can really call it a system. It's, it's pretty soft. soft. Magic. Yeah. Yeah. I call everything a magic system just because that's the terminology. So, what one thing I also found kind of um, not bad, but like. I guess just interesting about about the stories that these wolves tell is um, a lot of them are basically just fables or biblical stories that we have in our world, but like sort of converted slightly for wolves. And I mean, I thought it was done well. I mean, it's kind of interesting. The idea that it's the I guess maybe the argument. I don't know if the author was necessarily trying to make this argument, but the argument that like any culture would come up with similar stories for the explanation of life, you know, which which, don't go into this part of the forest because of this story. Well, I mean, I think if you look at like every human civilization and all of the stories for like the origins of life and things, you'll find similarities, right? In every pantheon or religion. I mean, there are, there are these little similarities and nuggets of, um, Let's not get existential. <laughs> Why? I'm tired. <laughs> I, I just, I, I think it's interesting to think that maybe if wolves were sentient in the same way and told stories, that maybe they would come up with some of the same ideas, you know? I don't or, know. Or the same moral lessons that it, which I thought that was neat. So it's and like Aesop's fables written by the animals. Yeah, I mean, they literally have at one point a wolf puts on uh, you say a grandma's outfit yeah a wolf puts on in a story a wolf puts on a grandma's outfit to kill its own brother who killed the grandma to save the granddaughter <laughs> what <laughs> and it's like it was like a really me. fucked up red riding head it's nice. yeah and that was actually and that was one of the funniest but like awesome <laughs> chapters of the story to me i was like i love this like it just worked it sounds stupid, but it worked. One of the shittier parts of like fairy tales, it's a, it's a lot of ableism if you look at them. What? Like it vilifies disabled people in some fairy tales. I don't think that's what was happening here, though. No, I was just uh, <laughs> listen. I'm tired. So my brain went fairy tales. What is the with the most disturbing fact that you learned? I could oh, be wrong. I mean, they're, yeah, they're also just incredibly violent, and you know. <laughs> I don't read. I don't read fairy tales that often. Yeah, they hate so, step parents. So, um, don't we have yeah, a whole so, category coming up this year for fairy tales? Yeah, <laughs> but I'm reading. I'm reading a Robin Hood re- retelling. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I think it's a. I think it's a cool, cool book, cool story. Um, there's some pretty, pretty sad moments. Um, I, I don't generally when I when I talk about books in this podcast, I don't like to spoil what actually happens. I just like to talk about how it made me feel. And isn't that the point of this podcast? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna give away anymore, but it's pretty cool. Check it out if you're into it. Is it by Aaron Hunter? (laughs) No. Okay. It's um the site by David. What is I can't read it. Why is it so tiny? Clement Davies. It's hyphenated. Yeah, no, I couldn't read the middle word. David Clement Davies. There we go. Thank you. I appreciate your help, Katie. Oh shucks, darn. Now it's your turn. Oh, is that how this works? Okay. Yep. All right. Um, 
so I read Hellboy Unnatural Selection. It is not a comic. It is an actual full-length novel. Listen, I thought it was a comic because I saw Hellboy <laughs> and I know that, that was a comic. No, it's based on the best-selling comic created by Mike Mignola, but it, this book is by Tim Levin. So oh, it's, a no, it's a novelization. Yes, it is a novelization of... I, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so... Um, who isn't familiar with the character Hellboy? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Nobody raised their hands that I can see. So, um, so it's about Hellboy. Duh. And he... I guess I kind of cheated because he is very humanistic. Because he was a demon raised by humans. He is a something raised by humans. Uh, at least in the in the least in the movie, he was a demon. Yeah, he in this novelization, he does not know exactly what he is, where he comes from, what he's. You know, he feels like he's born for some big purpose but he doesn't know what that is um but otherwise most of the time he is like incredibly human and i feel like he is he was written more human than most human characters that i've read about because like he he like is worried when he talks to his friend liz sherman he's like well, you know, we probably could become something more, but neither of us want to ruin our, our like BFF relationship that we have. And I actually thought that was really nice that they included that because, you know, usually it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get the girl. But no, he was he's chill. Um, <laughs> also, just like... He he does have like these flaws. He's a terrible shot, which is not good for his line of work. And and he's like always like worried. Even though he's constantly having these, you know, little one-liners and these snarky remarks, but he's just constantly worried about pretty much everything. And I liked it. <laughs> So in this book, I, sh- I should probably talk about it. Um, I'm just going to read, you know, a few highlights from the back of the cover here. Uh, there's a dragon in Rio de Janeiro, a werewolf in Baltimore, a griffin in Madrid, and and many more things just show up. Like they're just popping up all over and the BPRD which I don't actually know what it stands for. It's like the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. Research and Defense. Thank you, Dan. Because <laughs> um, they just they just use the the initialization, not the acronym of BPRD, and so I, I really didn't know it. But so everyone is stretched thin because, you know, there's all these different sightings everywhere and, you know, they got to take care of it. But then it like the intensity is increasing 
slowly but surely until dun 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 a plot is revealed oh my goodness guys a lot of people die in this book <laughs> like, you could have started with that sorry a lot of people die in this book <laughs> like there's this one part where something happens and then they're like well do we have a death toll yet and they're like nah man but it's at least four digits just from one instance and I was like whew that's anyway. a lot to cover up when you're a secret government organization yeah they're it's, it's, it's a tough time to be a shadow <laughs> thing but it's pretty good um I don't know. I had trouble finishing it, mostly because I was working on more projects on the side. But was this your first exposure to Hellboy? Um, I've watched all three question mark movies. Yeah, there have been three movies. Okay. Yeah, I've watched all three movies. I don't remember anything about the david harbour one <laughs> it's yeah. very forgettable it's it, also yeah. very bad yeah wait there's three <laughs> yeah. so there's two real ones yeah i watched those two <laughs> and then, and then there's a weird remake which oh we, the one without rob perlman so i didn't care yes with yeah, uh with, with david with harbour the, cop. the sheriff from stranger things right <laughs> the sheriff from stranger things <laughs> but it's not wrong but it's not Rob Perlman, so I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wasn't Guillermo del Toro either. I forget who directed that that third one. Anyway, uh, he's very bad at his job, whoever. He is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I've, as I mentioned in the last episode, I've never really read comics, never really was exposed to any of that. So, like, I, I guess I kind of knew what I was getting into. But did you? Did you really? <laughs> um, Abe Sapien is not nearly as like fishy and mind ready in this book as he was in the movies. I think that was a Guillermo Hotaro change. Okay. Well, I mean, is Abe that- Sapien is a character in the comics. He's just. Uh, I think he. His powers as a fishman end at being a fishman in the comics, so probably in this book as well. Yeah, because like he, he, like within the first five pages, he fights a giant alligator crocodile in Venice, and it like talks about him, you know, swimming and his webbing and stuff, and (laughs) and I was just waiting for him to like, yeah, and oh, dance since you're familiar. Is there an Abby Paris in the comics? Uh, it's been a while <laughs> since I read Hellboy. It doesn't sound familiar. Okay. Well, she's a character in this book, so I don't know if she's just in the novelizations she, or what. Is she paranormal in some way? She yes, she is a werewolf. But, like, I guess Abe saves her from committing suicide before the, the events of this book. Um... And 
And then it talks about how she's like hiding things and keeping secrets and she doesn't expose her past or whatever. And I kept thinking is like, well, shouldn't Abe know her past because he's all like psychic or whatever. But I guess that is not his real powers. So that explains. I think even in the movie, he was empathic, like he could sense emotion, but couldn't necessarily read your mind. Okay. But apparently he can tell that you're pregnant with twins before you even know you're pregnant. <laughs> Which I fucking hated. That was terrible. Terrible, terrible. Okay, anyway, so that's my book. <laughs> what, 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 who, who, who was the author? Tim Lebin. And this was Hellboy Unnatural Selection. <laughs> A lot of action... A lot of creatures. Does Liz exist in that movie or that book? She does. Yes, she does. And I like her. I just remember she was fire girl. Like, was she an mentalist? She is still fire girl, but she's not like. I don't know if she was institutionalized in this, but she seems a little more in control of herself, like, emotionally. Also, they do smoke a lot. Like, almost <laughs> every scene, Hellboy's, like, trying to get someone to light him a cigarette, or he's f- trying to find a cigarette in his belt, but all he has are stubs. Maybe because he won't get lung cancer because he's not human. I don't know. Liz smokes too, like a she <laughs> like a fire girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she doesn't need a lighter. She can just. Oh yeah, that that was actually like a really cute instance where she she lit one of Hellboy's cigarettes for him, and it was it was cute. Because she she just like had a flame on her thumb. <laughs> I mean, if you had fire powers, wouldn't you just be like, you need a light all the time? And and then I'd yep. set them on fire like a good person would. I would I would kill just to have the power to light my thumb on fire like that. Just to be that slick. <laughs> just your thumb? Like that's yeah. where the power ends? You've got a yeah. flammable Yeah, yeah thumb. just the thumb. Just like- oh, but I would like to be fireproof all over, though, so I could light campfires by sticking my hand in them. No, 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 just the thumb. <laughs> I have to stick just my thumb at a campfire to light it. Yeah, so if you do like die really in a fire, too much. if you do die in a fire, the only thing left would be your thumb. Yeah, your thumb. We found a thumb. <laughs> and it would be like perfectly you. preserved. <laughs> this is a weird topic, guys. No, I'm into this. This is my this is my next book. It's okay. It's weird to Boku no Hero because the, there's somebody who can make explosions. The way he makes explosion is because he sweats nitroglycerin. Oh, yeah. Ew. Don't think too hard about superpowers in that book. <laughs> it's oh, weird. It gross. also doesn't make any sense because he wears gloves, so he can't make explosions on the outside. of it. doesn't make sense, but I digress. So the real question is, Katie, was Abe Sapien as sexy as the fish man in Shape of Water, because that was a sexy fish man. Is that one of the, the girl fucks the fishman? Yes. Well, so here's the thing. Oscar winning Shape of Water. Here's what's important to mention with that beautiful, wonderful movie that I love very much. 
that is the same species. Like, yeah. tell me it's not. Tell me, tell me that Shape of Water doesn't take place in the Hellboy universe. No, for sure it does. <laughs> you won't convince me because literally it's Guillermo del Toro in both. <laughs> He's a yeah. little more uh, stabby, I guess, in the Shape of Water. I've never seen the movie because I was not really interested. I've Michael never Shannon even heard of this. Amazing in that movie. Incredible. It's 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 the best movie that you should only watch once. <laughs> I'm not that. I don't think it's a me movie. It's such a good movie. Everyone should watch it exactly once. Okay, I love that, you. I've never seen it, it. But going through a Google image search, they are exactly the same creature. <laughs> oh, no. It's they the same exact, exact creature. <laughs> yeah. I'd be terrified Anyways. what Google image search comes up with. For that. <laughs> Anyways, Dan, please wrap us up, please. Okay, so I read This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El Motar and Max Gladstone. Uh, as I said before, this is a super weird book. Um, it is uh, it's a novella, so it's pretty short if you if you decide to get on board with it. Once some uh, Best novella for the 2020 Hugos. Um, and got the Nebula Award, I think, in 2019. Anyway, this was kind of a critical darling of a book. Which is I, why I picked some, it up. Yeah, I heard some mixed opinions. Like, people either really love it or just like, what? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, after reading it, I'm not sure I understand how. Like, I loved this book. I don't know how other people did. Like, like I, I assume know, normal folks would not enjoy this book. I don't think it's a me book, even though it's. I know it's lesbians, right? Uh, so, I believe both. I'm not sure that both characters identify. I don't know how I. Okay, I thought let me, I let me explain it was to you what... these characters are, and then that will perhaps uh, explain why I am somewhat confused by what how you might classify their gender. So okay, okay, uh, uh, I heard it was queer. That's what I, that's all I heard. It is. I would definitely say it is that. Um, certainly, I don't think either character would necessarily classify themselves as male. One is definitely. Uh, uh, she, her. I just don't remember if the other one is or not. Uh, okay. But, but the, so the time war, so there's a time war, you guys. <laughs> um, I would never have guessed. It's fought by essentially two competing futures. So there's one future where it's basically sci-fi and the world is run by a shadowy government organization that controls this kind of super technology um all its agents are like walking atomic bombs with lasers and death radiation fields and all kinds of crazy shit and the other side is magic it's a future where like humans have become these plant-like creatures they are intrinsically connected to nature they've spread themselves out through the universe through like spore colonies and weird things like that poison and, ivy yeah i mean right if poison ivy was a culture that that's the other future and so uh these two futures are constantly combating each other because obviously 
at some point, although this is a very hard to understand concept, like the future will be decided. And so one will exist and the other will not exist. And so these two competing futures are constantly at war with each other all the way up and down from the far, far distant past to the many, many millennia from now future. They are at war with each other, trying to end one future and promote the other. Um, and that's kind of the background for the story. And But the story focuses on these two agents, one for each of the futures, red and blue. Uh, and that's what they, they call it. One calls, one is red. That I don't think they are necessarily that color. Like they can, they're both kind of shape changers because of one technology and the other magic. Yeah, it, but it's it's red only, blue blue and only that trope. Yes, exactly right. They they refer to each other as red and blue because they they don't ever. It's hard. This is a novella, so it's hard to talk about this without talking about the ending. But I will do my best. Um, because it's kind of short, but the they don't talk to each other directly. There's not a moment where, and this is written by two different authors. So I assume that like one author wrote from one character's perspective and the other wrote from the other perspective, but they essentially, the story is organized by them writing letters back and forth from each other. And it's kind of a, ever-growing love story of these two agents who are also like, you know, intense rivals of each other. They're both sort of like the best of the best of their individual sides. And at the beginning, they're kind of taunting each other. And then eventually that kind of taunting, vindictive, back and forth nature of their relationship evolves over time and they and they become you can't really ever say they're a couple because uh they're doomed to failure yeah i mean essentially yes right they 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 can't be together there's nowhere there they can hide you know they're not like Romeo and julia like hey we'll run off to another country like there are no other countries this is the there are two futures they control the entire timeline there's nowhere they can go in time or space that they would be safe to be together by, by the time they figure out after trying to kill each other a bunch of times that maybe they want to try something else. So it's this achingly tragic love story between these two extremely powerful beings because they're not human by the time their sides have both modified them essentially to allow them to be to exist kind of in in and across time like they've both been killed a bunch of time and brought back uh, each time sort of changed and made less and less human by necessity because of the war they're fighting um, and they're both eventually kind of grow despondent with the machinations of each other's side as they uh you know, experience the length and breadth of human history. Um, so, I mean, it's just like a really, I mean, it's a really beautiful story just between these two characters, but it is so weird. It is, it, there is never a sense of like a stable time and place. Things are very ethereal. The description of 
like where they happen to be is always um, it never seems totally firm uh, a lot of times like you know they'll be the setting will move through time as one character is experiencing it because they are essentially immortal so sometimes there are chapters where the character is reading the letter from the other character while existing in a space for several hundred years uh, and is slowly like decrypting the message over time. It's, it's hard to even describe because it's so like esoteric. Like it's not like they are in a single place or a single time at any moment in the story. So you have to focus on the characters because it doesn't really give you any choice. Basically what I'm hearing is I wouldn't like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no, there's nothing permanent in the book except for the characterization of the two characters. Like everything else is changeable and changes constantly where they are, when they are, what's happening, who's on what side, who's the good guy, who's a bad guy. It's kind of like, always in flux always different and it's just these these two people and their growing relationship is like the only firm thing you can hold on to for however the 209 pages of this book so what do you what do you think this like crazy uh (laughs) i don't know perspective it what, what do you think the author was like trying to tell you with this Well, I I haven't ever read anything by uh, Amal Elmatar before, but I have read a bunch of Max Gladstone. Um, and I think for him, he just prefers making his shit weird. Like he just that's just the setting he likes to have. He's he's never really like written normal settings for for his stories. But I do think that, like, ultimately they wanted to have a story where kind of like the two most powerful beings in existence somehow were able to find each other and also like uh, how do you how do you have a, a love story in that instance like I think that was that's kind of the long and the short of it I don't feel like there's a lot of like real commentary beyond like sometimes it's really hard to uh, engender love like at all you know it's just like a really hard thing to do and so they they created the setting where it is the hardest thing to do and then <laughs> figured out a way to do it I guess I don't know I'm just getting has has anyone read the His Dark Materials trilogy I have only watched its movie and TV show versions the movie's bad. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry. Um, for like, There's an ending of the third book where that kind of happens a little bit. I can't really... Since the TV show was can't, uh, coming out, I shouldn't really spoil it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of other stuff. I mean, even like Perdido Street Station, which still might be the weirdest thing I've ever read, but at least like the setting was one place and you learned about it over time and it had, it had a society and a culture, but like nothing stays the same in this book because like there'd even be instances where the characters would 
They have to go to the past to fight the war. Then they come back to the future, but because of what they've done in the past, the people and the events that led to their creation were gone, but they still were considered part of the evil empire or whatever that they were originally a part of. But like, and, and those people knew, but like, it was a very, it was obviously different from the last time you were there. And so at, at some point I just stopped trying to hold on to any details beyond like what's going on between red and blue. And I think that's still enough. Like, cause it was still, like I said, a very heartwarming and tragic and beautiful love story between these two characters even though they at one point one is literally a seed pod and <laughs> the other one is uh like a technological concept uh and they weren't really people anymore so <laughs> it was very it was very strange but I, I like i love that kind of strange but i don't know how other i, I very rare i would not I would never suggest this book to someone who's like, hey, I need a summer read. Like, oh, read this is how you lose the time. We're like, no, you need to be in a you need to have embraced your sci fi fantasy freakness to enjoy this book. Yeah, um, I was watching Kayla from Books and Lala and she requested like she was taking recommendations for weird books. I was like, you don't know weird you understand weird things, but you don't understand weird yeah. of science fiction and fantasy. Because she also read uh, the library at, at Martin Mountshar. I'm like, that wasn't even that weird. I just didn't like it. Yeah. She also didn't like <laughs> it just makes me, that, that just makes me think of that. What's the movie that's based on Nick? That you, I think you guys watched that for, two, for Why Is This Thing? With Sam Neill, I think, in it. Oh, no, it was uh, a different one. Not Library of Mount Char. I'm thinking of a different one. Uh, Mouth of Madness, maybe? I don't know. Yes. I read Mouth Madness Library. I read that for horror. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's We talked about it before. Yeah. yeah. Weird stuff. That's that movie. In the, yeah, in the, <laughs> in the Mouth of Madness. that lady like, tur- inverts herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, I don't think Kayla liked that one that too too much. I think she was too weird for her. But like somebody from like Katie from Kate Casting or Katty, I can't pronounce her name because Katie is here. I That's blame Katie. <laughs> I feel uh, like that weird type of shit, like really, really weird, like you're saying here, works a lot better in like movies than in books, though. I think because because you have visual aspects to work around you, really. Yeah. Uh, like I don't think it would work for me because I don't make mental images, so I'll be very confused. I'm interested though, Dan. I think I'm I, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's great, and and the other thing is it's short. You know, you you won't be confused very long anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I also wasn't confused very long in the other book that I read that I hated. That was 300 pages, and I was like. Mm. I would like some plot, please. I love it. You won't be confused long. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's beautiful. It's just I don't. Yeah, it's probably weird to recommend to people. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that's it. We did it. It's another one in the books. Congratulations, you guys. Good job, uh, team. High books. five. Uh, what are we doing next week? What is not next week? What are we doing next month? <laughs> Oh, Urban Fantasy. It is Urban Fantasy. Yes. Urban Fantasy. 
I, I made a list. I saw your list, uh, Rachel, and I was like, that's a great idea, and I should start figuring out what my books are before, like, you know, two weeks before we record the episode. <laughs> I, I must list things. Well, that's guess what I'm doing next month, guys. Hellboy, unnatural selection. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do like Midnight Riot by uh, Ben Aaron's and Ar- Aronovich. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, I assure you, there are additional Hellboy novels that you could probably find. Oh, definitely. There are at can... least two. What's that terrible <laughs> novel you read, Dan? That was technically urban fantasy. A terrible one. The one with the Irish dude that liked to be like women. Uh, the oh. Iron Druid. Yeah. I think that, that was for the uh, Animal Companion episode. Yeah. Where, where I forgot to talk about the Animal Companion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody re- recommended that book me- to me recently. I was like, mm, no. <laughs> uh, I'd be like, re- like suggesting someone read Harry Dresden. And I'm like. I'm 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 like 20 books in. I have no idea what the beginning of the series was like anymore. I I can't re- I can't suggest anyone start that series now. I liked it, but I also liked the, it was more fun. <laughs> but I, I don't. He, he's weird. He's just he, he needs to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> I can't express to you how much I agree with you, Rachel. <laughs> that is, that is an excellent opinion about those books. He needs to get out more and stop thinking about boobs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll have we'll have lots to talk about. It sounds like in our next episode. So. Yeah, we need to do the pluggy thing. You mean plug ourselves? Is that what yes, you mean? Yes, plug ourselves. All right. Uh, well, Katie, you're in charge. How do we? Yeah. Oh, make me do <laughs> stuff. All right. All right, so this has been Fantasy Book of the Month podcast. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, anything else, uh, email Nick, but do not include his name at too many thoughts at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Jimmy Books. Follow me on the story graph. Uh, where I've recently found out that my username thingy is now I've forgotten it. That's <laughs> fine. Um, yes, the end. Dan. Uh, hi, I'm Dan Evanson. You can find my stuff at DanielEvanson.com. You can buy my book. Dave woke up there. Um, I'm also on Storygraph, and I also don't know what my sign is. But you should come visit our Discord, which you can find at TooManyThoughtsMedia.com. Because I'm sure what are you, I'll probably what did post you get, it there. When did you get on the story? Why have I converted all of you to the story graph? <laughs> I made an account at least. Uh, okay. And I think I joined the our. So yeah, the the great thing about story graph is that we have a reading challenge, so you can join our reading challenge and you you'll know what our our categories for this year are going to be. Yes, and you can also just ex- export your Goodreads to the story graph. It is super easy to do that. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm Nick. You can find more podcasts and more nonsense on too many thoughts media.com. 
And uh, yeah, that what Katie mentioned earlier, we recently got an email from someone and they included everybody on the podcast except for me. In the- uh, to give them the benefit of the doubt, you could have just not been there that episode. <laughs> no, it's probably what happened is my yeah. guess. It just really cracked me up. But yeah, no, if you have any suggestions or thoughts or comments or want to send us pictures of your bookshelves. Pictures of your bookshelves. I can't believe <laughs> I keep us. forgetting that. Yeah. Feed the Katie monster. You can email us at too many thoughts media at gmail.com. And I am Rachel. You can find me mostly anywhere at Argent Rabe. Uh, if you care, I do. I don't think I do things. But I on the art. Uh, you, can f- you can find all the books in my reviews on the story graph under the F bomb uh, tag. Oh, also, I am simply shark on there. And then Dan is sinister infant. That's also where you can find me on Twitter. I forgot to do that. <laughs> Katie, we, send me a friend request. We don't I, have friends on the sort of well, Okay. We can talk about this off air. <laughs> wow, she doesn't want to be your friend. Wow. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Uh, until next time, keep dreaming. No, I was reading. Well, yep, shit. Keep reading. Keep dreaming. <laughs> reading. Keep reading. <laughs> Keep dreaming about your reading. And stop the recording.